Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. We've made it through our first weekend of the NBA's resumption campaign. Everybody's gotten a chance to play a little bit. And we've had a chance to see how it looks. I mean, it looks like basketball. It looks like basketball. You know, I I don't know what I expected, and we talked about it with Josh last week. It it generally seemed like pretty good product. We'll dive into that in a minute. Uh, this is Fantasy NBA Today, everyone. I'm Dan Baspris. Thanks so much for tuning in. We're in the NBA resumption now, so uh, effectively, we're doing shows like it's the regular season, even though it sort of is and it sort of isn't. I don't, I don't even really know how to treat some of these elements. The uh, the NBA standings are being updated live as these games are happening, and we're sort of getting, I don't know, is it a new look at, at the way things might be going down? A few interesting notes, a few interesting tidbits on uh, what we've had over the weekend, and we'll hit on those as we hit those box scores. Like I said, we're not going to do a true reverse chronological lightning round because... I mean, we will go through the games that happened over the weekend. Um, but, you know, we're not making rampant pickups and drops in your fantasy leagues right now. There will be a handful of them. But I think we can sort of take an eye towards the future with the results of some of these games. And that'll be more of our strategic attack points with the this very weird portion of the fantasy season happening right now. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, and I hope that you will. And certainly, I haven't asked you guys for uh, ratings and reviews in a long time, but if any of you out there have not dropped a five-star review or subscribed to the podcast, please do that post-haste. It is how we indeed continue to grow this uh, weird monstrosity called Fantasy NBA Today, so you guys can help us out in that regard. Hoop-ball.com is the website where we uh, originate our thoughts. At Hoopball Fantasy is the Twitter feed. Got some new stuff coming out at Hoopball here over the next little bit. Website continues to be upgraded before our very eyes. I don't want to drop any additional news or notes on the, uh, the new stuff, the secret stuff on the podcast front. But certainly on the website side, I would uh, ask you guys to go check that out. Brand new forums. They look... Uh, fantastic opportunity here to really create a nice community over at Hoopball, both on the fantasy and the reality side. Uh, just a lot of new look stuff going on, and we're really proud about that. News from over the weekend. We got to start with the big one. Jonathan Isaac tore his ACL. Ugh, can you believe this? Just finally, make, finally making his way back from his previous injury that caused him to miss uh, about half of the regular season 
And now he's going to be out most likely probably all of next year. You know, there's there's no reason to rush a guy back who has shown himself to be to this point. I think we can call him a little bit injury prone now. Did he try to come back too soon this year? That would be a hard argument to make when you consider, you know, there was thought that he might sneak into some action if the Magic made the playoffs originally. That would have been back in April or May. And we're in August now. So, you know, is it the ramp up or is it just horrible luck? It's hard to think that it's just horrible luck when you consider that he was coming back from an injury. It was a sprain and a bone bruise. And so I don't know. I mean, did something weaken in there? It's really, really hard to know. But either way, it's a massive pisser for one of the fantastic per-game fantasy storylines this year, that being Jonathan Isaac. And, I mean, he's he's gone for the foreseeable future. It, it doesn't change a ton about how we're viewing the magic since... You know, one thing that it it may bump Aaron Gordon back up to the fore a bit more often here in the short term. We don't know what it means for next season. Still, you know, there's this element of we love their current pace of play. The Magic were looking like they could have been one of the most interesting fantasy teams. They still will be, but it's just going to be kind of a different cross-section of guys. Isaac played about 15 minutes yesterday before the ACL tear. So we didn't get a great feel for what it's going to be with him out. We can, I think, refer back mostly to what happened during the regular season since yesterday's game was a blowout anyway. But let's start going through some of the box scores from the weekend. Let's figure out where teams sit and what it means for their standings and what that means for who's going to play going forward. And we'll do it in sort of the traditional reverse chronological lightning round style we became accustomed to because, frankly, it's just simpler than an alternative. Um, but, you know, we may have some digressions here that we might not normally do when we're just trying to hammer through fantasy stuff real fast. Quickly here, before we get started, I want to remind you guys to uh, check out our buddies over at uh, manscaped.com. You can use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off your purchase and free shipping. Again, the code is HOOPBALL20. Get your lawnmower version 3.0. They were in the labs just cutting hairs for 18 months, trying to figure out the best way to do it. And this is what they came up with, and it's awesome. Built-in light, pinch-free technology over at manscaped.com. Check them out again. Coupon code is HOOPBALL20. Washington, lost in Brooklyn, which I think for all intents and purposes means the uh, you can go ahead and wipe out whatever race there might have been for the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference. Washington is now seven games back of the Nets, who basically only needed to win one game to uh, lock up that eight spot. There's still a way because of the weird, you know, get within three games rule. But does anyone even see the Wizards winning three games the rest of the way? I don't. Right? Like, who, who actually sees this team winning three games? They've already lost their first two of the resumption to the Suns and now the Nets. They've got the Pacers, the Sixers, the Pels, the Thunder, the Bucks, and the Celtics. What three or four teams are they going to beat in their remaining six games? Even if the Nets lost every single game the rest of the way, I don't see how the Wizards come back. So the Eastern Conference is all locked up. Just a matter of time before the Magic separate themselves for the seven seed 
And I know it was a little bit chalky, but one of the bets we talked about was the Nets to end up in the 8th seed of the Eastern Conference. I think it was at like minus 230, which again, not a great price to pay. It's chalky, but it was about as close to a sure thing as I I could have seen out there on the landscape. Our Western Conference long shot looks like a total dog right now, which is fine. That's what long shots are. Meanwhile, there's another one that we'll talk about here shortly that is sneaking up on you. Snuck up on me, too. Thomas Bryant played 37 minutes in this game yesterday. That was one of our question marks, was how much were they really going to let him go during this resumption campaign? It's why I couldn't get him higher than 66 on our board, but it looks like he's going to dominate that number because he played huge minutes. He was great. He looked healthy. 30 and 13 with four threes, a steal, two blocks, and 60% from the field. He could end up being one of the steals of the resumption campaign because he also took 20 shots in this game, snapping up all the usage. The single highest usage guy on the Wizards was Thomas Bryant. Troy Brown Jr. looked good. He was a guy we had on our list of plotting sorts, and he was better than that in this ball game. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to go for a near triple-double in every outing, but uh, certainly a good sign there with him playing 38 minutes. Bad signs in this ball game. Rui Hachimura took only six shots in the ball game in 32 minutes. Uh, Shabazz Napier played 25 minutes, took nine shots, really couldn't get it going. And Ish Smith played 28 minutes, and it doesn't look like they're going to let those guys move away from the timeshare. So this is a big knock, and it's part of why right at the very end, and I think uh, it was talking to Adam King on the podcast, who was like, look, ultimately, Shabazz Napier is your most risky of those guys we have higher on the board. And as he continued to go higher and higher and higher, I think even in one of our last draft recap shows, I was like, look, he's not getting to me. I thought he was going to be a guy we could get in the 50s or the 60s, and maybe he would overperform. And now it's looking like a lot of folks reached on Shabazz to get him in the 30s or 40s, and he's underperforming. And this is that fear Listen, like, we're going to miss on this one in terms of ranking. I'm not trying to say that we got this one uh, right because we didn't. But what I did do right was I never veered away from my strategy, which was, yeah, I had him ranked pretty high, but I wasn't taking him in the fourth round. He was a guy I would target in the fifth or sixth round and hope to overperform. But when everybody started to say, look, I'm going to roll the dice on this guy as well, that's when you lose the battle. That's when the hype train takes over. Uh, I think he'll be better than this in some games going forward. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know why Ish Smith is playing 28 minutes, and I don't know why Shabazz playing 25. But they, they're using a lot of Isak Banga at the small forward. I thought they would move Troy Brown over to that spot, and maybe you might get some little lineups going forward. But whatever the case, Washington remains a hair unpredictable. Thomas Bryant looks like he's going to be uh, better than expected because it looks like they've lifted the minutes issue with him. Uh, and it looks like Shabazz is going to underperform. I think Rui is going to be fine. I still, I still think that's going to end up being a totally fine pick. Jared Allen played 38 minutes on the net side, and he looked good with 22 and 15. He made all 10 of his free throws, which elevated his numbers for the ball game. Uh, it's not going to be that good every night on that front. Joe Harris had 27. He's going to look to overperform. Um, we had him as sort of the one of our kings of the plotting types. Where the hell did we have Joe Harris? Um, uh, 90, like around 90. He'll probably beat that number. And he was pretty gettable around 90 also. I don't think I ended up with him anywhere, but I don't think it was on purpose. I think I just 
There were other guys on the board that I, I lunged at first. Uh, Karis LeVert had 34-7-3, but didn't do other stuff. Hopefully that will improve going forward. He's going to be a usage monster. Took 25 shots and had 13 free throws in this game. So he's just going to pile up the counting stats. And now we just have to hope for uh, a few of the other things as Brooklyn most likely gets their butts kicked in most of their next ball games. Portland lost in Boston. It was a fun one, though. Uh, I got to give a shout-out to Yusuf Nurkic because I did not see this level of rust-free basketball coming from Nurk right out of the shoot. I mean, they're rolling him out there for big minutes. He played 32 minutes in this ball game, and he's the number one player in fantasy in the first couple games of the resumption so far. So credit to Yusuf. Um, and he's completely killed both of the other centers, which we kind of saw coming... Although, we ended up with Whiteside higher than I wanted to because it looked like he was going to start alongside Nurk. That's what was happening during some of the scrimmage games. And then at the last minute, they flipped it back and moved Whiteside off the bench. So I didn't get a chance to adjust my, my resumption board rankings. But obviously, those of you guys that listen to the podcast, you knew we had Whiteside in the 80s or 90s when I thought he was coming off the bench down with Zach Collins, who I also had in the 80s or 90s, and he went down the board when uh, when Nurk moved into the starting lineup and he came off the bench. Now Collins into the starting lineup, i probably move him from 110, maybe back towards the edge of the top 100, even though he wasn't very good in this ballgame. He is playing enough minutes to be useful, and then Whiteside would have moved down. So Portland kind of uh, okey-doked us here a little bit, and my board is built on the assumption that uh, Nurk and Whiteside were going to be starting together. That was the indications we had, and then they flipped it on us right before the actual game started happening. I'm not going to go in and make adjustments after the fact to the draft board, but you guys remember, when we thought this was going to be the case, uh, when we thought Nurk was starting and Whiteside, Whiteside was a lot uh, higher, and when we thought Whiteside was coming off the bench behind Nurk and Collins... He was a lot lower. Collins was a little bit higher. Uh, and Nurkic, I mostly left in that 70 range because, frankly, I, that was earlier than he was going in a lot of drafts, and it's looking like he's going to be a risk that pays off in spades. Gary Trent Jr. played 34 minutes off the bench and had 21 points, uh, made seven three-pointers. That's not really a sustainable number for him. But, you know, this, this result from Carmelo Anthony is why we didn't really want to go his direction. This result from Damian Lillard is why we did want to go his direction. We knew he was going to be big in the resumption, and they're just going to keep gunning to try to catch the Grizz because as Memphis falls apart, everybody still has a shot. That's good news. On the Boston side, fairly predictable results. Minor foul trouble for my my good friend Daniel Tice. Kemba Walker, super low minute total in this ballgame, was uh, a little bit on the ugly side there. But Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, who didn't score much, but those guys all looking good here in the resumption so far. Uh, everything fairly predictable on the front, and Kemba was generally an avoid guy because of his injury situation. So uh, no real massive adjustments there. And the next one, this is a real interesting one. Spurs beat the Grizzlies 108-106, and the Spurs have now won each of their first two games during the resumption campaign. And right now, they are the team that would play the Grizzlies in a uh, winner-take-two uh, from the nine-seed play-in situation if it ended right now. Um, look, I-, I thought the Spurs were going to lose to the Kings. I thought they would lose to the Grizzlies, and I thought they would throw in the towel 
But the fact that they are now gunning for it makes everything a little bit different in terms of you know how we're how we're going to be looking for this team to perform. The Spurs trotted out a Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, small forward, power forward combo in this ball game. They split the minutes up uh, largely evenly among everyone not named uh, DeMar, DeJounte, or Derek. So if your name starts with a D and an E, you're in good shape. If it doesn't, you're not. So what does it mean that the Spurs are now chasing down the Grizzlies from a fantasy standpoint? Well, I still love DeJounte Murray because with all this time off, he's had time to lift his minutes restrictions, and he's playing at least 30 if he's out of foul trouble. And this was this was why we went so high on him, 21-10-3 with a couple of steals. And by all accounts, you know he could end up even doing more than this on the assist front. Derek White, I thought would actually get turned loose when DeMar DeRozan was shut down, but he's playing plenty of minutes anyway. They've jammed him into the starting lineup, and finally Spurs have kind of abandoned the we-need-to-get-extra-shooters-out-there. Patty Mills not playing that much. Uh, Bryn Forbes didn't play. The question is, if he comes back, how does that impact generally Derek White? And then DeMar DeRozan, he's going to be good longer. That's the big impact play here. We had Derek White at 71 We had DeJounte Murray at 44. I think those guys can easily hit those marks. The one where I was really nervous was DeMar DeRozan, and I basically put him in a don't draft bucket because I thought the Spurs had a chance of losing two straight and shutting him down. But if you risk it, if you roll the dice on DeMar right now, he looks like he's going to pay off as at least a relatively decent fantasy player. I'll tell you this, though. I like the way we handled this team. Derek White looks like a guy we're going to get right. DeJounte Murray looks like a guy we're going to get right. DeMar DeRozan looks like we avoided it. Um, But you guys know my stance on this. I would rather avoid someone who ends up surprising with a good result than draft someone early who ends up tanking your team by being bad. You know, the fact that we ended up not getting any Shabazz Napiers because he was going so early is turning out to be a massive blessing. That's the type of stuff that that really hurts. Missing out on DeMar, I mean, who cares? He probably got drafted at what, 50, 40, 50 in your league? There were plenty of awesome dudes you were taking at 40 or 50 in your league. De'Aaron Fox, I know he had a slightly worse game, but uh, Jared Allen, TJ Warren. We have all these guys in the 40s, and uh, they're all going to come in, and they're going to be fine. You know, it's not like you missed out on somebody who's going to win the league for you. I would prefer to do that than end up with someone who might lose your league for you. On the Grizzlies side, Jaron Jackson Jr. looked good. Uh, triple twos, two, two, two threes, two steals, two blocks. John Morant had a good ball game in this one. Kudos to Ja, 25-9-9 and nine on good percentages. Um, Jonas Valanciunas double-doubled. Brandon Clark had a slow one after a good one. He'll balance out and he'll be just fine. And the Grizzlies are fairly predictable at this point. Although they do desperately need some wins. Blowout in Orlando. This is a home game for the Magic. Ha! Didn't think of it that way. Um, You know, piping in fans who could have actually driven to the ball game. And this is a really bad look for the Kings. Um, This kills Sacramento's chances of making the playoffs. They're now three and a half games back of the Grizzlies, which doesn't sound horrific because Memphis has also lost two in a row. But the Kings are now just a half game up on the Suns. Uh, They are a game back of the Blazers and a game and a half back of the Spurs. Listen... They're not so far out that they're going to give up. So not all is lost. But 
these were games that looking at the schedule, you're like, okay, Sacramento needs to get at least one of these first two, and they didn't. And they looked pretty bad doing it in this one. De'Aaron Fox looked slow. Uh, Rashawn Holmes looked fine in his 24 minutes, but, you know, they, they just they weren't good, and they didn't defend anybody. And it's, it, it's weird to look at the numbers here and see how badly they got throttled, but the Magic just outshot them, out-rebounded them, uh, out-free-throw attempted them. That was seemingly a difference in the ballgame, but you know the Kings actually committed fewer turnovers than the Magic. They just they couldn't stop Orlando and their new high-octane offense. Not that new. We knew about it. So if you have Kings, I don't think you... I, yeah, I think you stay the course a little bit. Harry Giles played well in garbage time, so don't overreact to that stuff. They'll The guys that you were playing, namely Holmes, Fox, maybe a hair of Bielitsa, some Bogdanovich, I don't think you move off of that too much. On the Magic side, a lot of folks were getting a sweet Jonathan Isaac deal, picking him up late. Now that turns into a nothing. Um, Evan Fournier will be better in the next one. He just didn't get that many looks, and the Magic were running away with it. Aaron Gordon looked good. Terrence Ross looked good. Vooch looked good. No big, no big adjustments there. And, you know, this is why we avoided Markel Fultz, because the point guard job is not entirely his. And, yeah, would he have played more if the game was closer? Sure. But his fantasy game just isn't that great yet. And no, you're not using DJ Augustine. I know he had 10 and 8, but stop it. Vooch, Ross... Uh, Gordon and Fournier. Those guys are all going to be fine because Orlando is taking a ton of shots per game now. I love their pace. They're, they've totally changed their team. You know, we talked about betting their overs consistently right now until the league catches up with the fact that it's Orlando that's steering this new pace in their ballgames. Houston beat Milwaukee. I mean, there are questions about how much Milwaukee actually cared about this ballgame. They committed 22 turnovers to Houston's nine uh, Houston had 15 steals, lots of live ball stuff. You know, Middleton had six turnovers. Dante DiVincenzo had five. I, again, I I don't know how locked in Milwaukee was defensively. The usual suspects played well. Giannis was good. Uh, Middleton was good. Lopez was good. Just a matter of time before they start resting those guys. Um, Bledsoe hasn't played yet. On the Rockets' side, oddly enough, Russell Westbrook, despite scoring a lot, really hasn't been that great on the fantasy side because his peripheral stuff has gone away. Otherwise, he's been fine. He's been fine, just like kind of short of great. Daniel House has actually looked okay so far, so that if you grabbed him as one of your plodding types, I guess that's worked out, although he's not really not the kind of interesting guy we're looking at. Uh, but Rob Covington, I mean, he's so good in this in this particular spot. He's just, ah, I, I mean, I don't, how much, you don't, you guys don't need me to gush about Rob Covington here any more than I have to. He, he's just, ah, uh, he's always going to be undervalued uh, no matter how good he plays. Unless he starts scoring a bunch, he's just always going to be undervalued. And in his two resumption games, sure, he's only scored a combined 28 points, but he has 18 rebounds in those two games, five steals, and five blocks, and only four three-pointers. I mean, if the shots started dropping, he'd be even more impressive right now. He's he's so good. I'm so glad that that we had him high on that board. James Harden looks amazing. Um, he's yeah, he's fine. And then you know, everybody else for Houston, you know, PJ Tucker. Did we roll the dice on him? Not really. Just. 
We tried to avoid the boring guys in this, and, and that's okay. Dallas lost in Phoenix. This was an interesting turn, wasn't it? Uh, Dallas actually actually wants these games. Um, so it's a little weird to see them fall in this. Yeah, I, I thought it might be somewhat competitive. I think there's this this inclination to assume that just because the Suns are out of it, they're not going to try. But they're there, so they might as well try a little bit. And for the Mavs, that's a big loss because they're now three games back of the Thunder, who won their opener, and uh, puts the Mavericks in a really tight spot if they want to try to get out of that seven seed and get a chance to avoid the Lakers or Clippers in the first round. But I, I still think they're going to try to run it up a little bit. I want the, They'll at least try to get out of that seven spot. But this was a big loss just from a game that they likely expected to win. On the Dallas side, we were super early on Kristaps Porzingis, and he's been incredible in these two resumption games so far. Luca was really good in this one after having a couple of issues in the, the first ball game, more on the peripheral side. Although with Luca, still no threes, no steals, no blocks. He did a lot of really nice stuff in this game. It's hard to argue with a 48-11 and 11 ball game, especially when he made his free throws. But uh, would have been nice to get a steal, like even one. Oh, well. In any event, Seth Curry played well. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. missed all of his shots. I mean, we talked about that exact scenario with Timmy Hardaway Jr. It was like, look, what if he goes like one for 14? He went one for 12. We were close. I still think he'll be fine. He was still among our, our uppermost, uh, the guys that were probably just above the plotters on our board, if you look at it that way. We had him in there with, you know, with Joe Harris and Seth Curry and Troy Brown, they were all in that same general area above the likes of P.J. Tucker, Redick, Hart, Justin Holiday, KCP, that type. So they were they were a click above those dudes. Uh, but this was the fear. In an eight-game sprint, somebody going one for 12 can really hurt you. Oh, well. Phoenix side. Um, DeAndre Aiden had a, had a poor ball game. He was in foul trouble. Uh, so did Mikhail Bridges. He did get his five defensive stats, at least, and played 38 minutes, so I don't think we're going to argue with it much there. Ricky Rubio looked good. Devin Booker looked good. Cam Johnson played 40 minutes and looked great. So go figure that one out, folks. <laughs> I know they're high on him. Um, the, game, the question you're likely asking yourself is, do we do anything with Cam Johnson now? Uh, that he's had this this big pop-off game? And I think the answer is still probably no. He had 12-3-2 with five fouls in their win at Washington. You know, I think there are just going to be days where he fits a little bit better. 19-12-4 was definitely a good fit kind of ball game. He played 40 minutes. But I think you probably see more Aiton, more Sharich in the next one. Uh, they just kind of ended up going a bit small, and it worked out. So, no, I'm not uh, racing out to pick him up. Looking back to the previous day on Saturday, I know we had a handful of teams that went on Saturday worth talking about here as we do our sort of modified reverse chronological deal. Miami blew out Denver. Jimmy Butler missed practice after missing a COVID test, so he had a one-game or a one-day quarantine. Uh, hard to take a ton away from this one because it was a blowout. Duncan Robinson looked good. Bam Adebayo looked uh, decent, if unspectacular. Uh, Jay Crowder was fine. I think, that, you know, 29 minutes and some three-pointers and steals is all you're really looking for. Uh, Kelly Olynyk went really big in 24 minutes of this ballgame. He will probably disappear in the next one. If we know Olynyk, and I think we do at this point. On the Denver side, 
they were all over the map. No Will Barton, no Jamal Murray, no Gary Harris. Those were the guys we thought were they were questionable coming into that first game. And we'll keep an eye on whether or not they're playing in the next one because, you know, Jokic is going to be fine, but he needs those guys around him. So Jeremy Grant got more playing time, some of it because it was a blowout and some because the Nuggets had three starters out. But really, no one did enough outside of Jokic to warrant use, and that's the fear here. Listen, we'll stay, we'll stay very tight to this news. If Barton, Murray, and Harris are going to miss another one and Denver's going to get to play a team where uh, maybe they get to, to run up the numbers a little bit more, their next ballgame is against the Thunder today. Uh, it's questionable. I don't know if I'd roll too many of these guys out. Torrey Craig played well. Millsap should be fine. By the way, he should be okay in the next one. Uh, Monty Morris might be worth a look, but yeah, it's risky, man. It's risky. None of these guys is a proven asset. But again, we're looking for someone that can just slip in there, grab you a top 75 type game, and then we'll dump him. If this wasn't a blowout, do we see more Monty Morris, Tory Craig down the stretch? So maybe that's the news to keep track of. Watch the Nuggets news today on who's in and who's out. And if all of those guys are out, then you've got an avenue. Utah got smoked in their second game. Who cares? We've talked about them already. Chris Paul, uh, Shea, Gilgis, Alexander, Gallo, they all looked solid. Steven Adams was very good aside for some missed free throws. Uh, Nerlens Noel played 18 minutes, had three and six with four blocks. I mean, that's basically what you wanted him for. You know, he wasn't great, but... You got your four damn blocks. That's a big deal in a resumption season. Pretty predictable, that team. Clippers and New Orleans played. Clippers beat them senseless. Reggie Jackson was good again, but only 20 minutes, so I wouldn't throw too much into that one. And here's a fun one. Listen, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Toronto in that L.A.-Toronto game, but Philly-Indiana, this one went pretty much according to what we expected. Joel Embiid was great. Tobias Harris was solid. He took 29 shots. Wow. I don't think I saw that at the time, but we knew Tobias Harris was going to be a steal. Ben Simmons was okay. Not great. Al Horford was not very good in 23 minutes off the bench. I mean, he was fine, and honestly, this might have even been better than I expected, but it's going to be a tough go for him in 23 minutes off the bench. Josh Richardson never got into the offense in 30 minutes as a starter. And, I mean, that's why we were targeting mostly Tobias Harris and Simmons if he fell a little bit farther. Uh, those three main guys I thought were a little bit undervalued coming into the resumption campaign. And, uh, you know, we had Embiid at 13, we had Simmons at 17, and Tobias Harris at 30. And the only one in jeopardy of not hitting that mark right now is Simmons among those guys. And I had Josh Richardson uh, right around 90, which I think is lower than most folks. And we had a Horford, uh, I think we finished with him in the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. And even those might be too high. Well, you probably didn't get them. They likely got drafted before that. How about our old buddy TJ Warren, who we had uh, in the 30s when it looked like Victor Oladipo was not going to be playing. Then Oladipo came back and we moved Warren back into the 40s. The Demonis Sabonis news probably should have moved Warren forward a few more slots. We have him at 47, which I know people were like, Dan, you're out of your damn mind. 
That's way too early. Well, hello, TJ Warren, 53 points, nine three-pointers, a couple of blocks, and he did it on 69% shooting in an improbable Pacers win without Demonis Sabonis and without Malcolm Brogdon, who will probably get in there at some point soon, but we really don't know. Miles Turner was in horrible foul trouble. It's an amazing buy low if you have that opportunity in your resumption league. Aaron Holiday, if those guys are both out again, figures to get uh, a pretty good share of the usage with, by the way, Victor Oladipo probably going to sit out a ball game. So if you can get Aaron Holiday into your lineup tonight, that looks good. And TJ Warren could go crazy again. I can't believe that we have him in the 40s and there's a very real chance that that was too low. But I'm still going to call that a win because I don't think anybody else had him even close to that mark. In any event, hopefully you guys ended up with some TJ Warrens because uh, we were hyping the crap out of him. Toronto beat the Lakers, and that one was a very predictable one. And we actually, I gave that out as a best bet uh, in our uh, premium layup line. I gave it out on a best bet like a week ago on VEASAN with Gil. Uh, this one, you could see coming a mile away. Lakers got their win over the Clippers. They basically locked up the resumption. They weren't going to be... Their heart wasn't in this ball game. LeBron, I mean, Anthony Davis took seven shots. He doubled him the whole game. Guys weren't making any buckets. Lakers shot 35%. Blech. Um, Freddie Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, OG Ananobi all looked really, really good. Marcus Gasol only played 25 minutes in this game, had foul issues. He picked up five of them. Serge Ibaka had five fouls off the bench. So the Raptors ultimately just went with uh, kind of a split there for those guys and a little bit small at times. Because, whatever. Marcus Gasol will be better in the next one, most likely. I think they want to get his minutes up into the high 20s. And then the other four dudes are just easy and breezy, man. Easy and breezy. Siakam was actually really bad in this game, and they still beat the hell out of the Lakers. Kyle Lowry was great. And Oda Ananobi, he's not going to be this good every night. He made eight out of his nine shots and all four free throws. But, you know, I got in an argument in one of our draft rooms, and whoever, I don't remember who it was, I didn't I didn't have the patience to look up who uh, was the manager of the team that, and it wasn't like a mean argument, we were just sort of arguing about where Ananobi should be ranked. Uh, there, were, there were mentions of his inconsistency, and my thought there was, look, yeah, that's true, uh, but he was playing really well when the season shut down. It looked like he was kind of coming into his own a little bit more, and even if he took a step back from where he was during the regular season, it still put him well ahead of where he was drafting. We had him at 61 on our big board. Maybe that's a little bit early, but based on this game, it might not be. I think he's going to be good, and I think he's going to be kind of your 3 and D steal of this resumption season. Uh, I think that's I think that's everything, right? Did we hit all of them? That was 11 games. We hit everybody? I don't know. I'm not as laser-focused on which teams we have and haven't covered, but I guess if we look at Friday... Boo, 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 yeah, it's everybody already. By the way, how about that Houston-Dallas game on Friday? 300 damn points? Goodness gracious. Oof, I know it was overtime, but shush, 300 points. <laughs> Trey Burke had 31 in that ballgame. Guys are probably glad you didn't pick him up, right? Oof. Uh, all right, what do we got coming up? That's the next point on our, uh, our docket here. What do we got coming up tonight? What is today? It's Monday. It's the 3rd of August. We're in August already. Toronto's in Miami. Toronto favored by 2.5 on the road with a total of 221.5. 
Uh, I think this one's a pretty accurate mark. I wouldn't I wouldn't go too many directions that Indiana at Washington. They're laying eight and a half. Um, I don't know about covering, but uh, I do certainly think Indiana wins this ball game. And I, if anything, I'd lean to Washington, but who knows with with a young goofball team like that. Total of two twenty eight and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, you could probably see that inching over by a hair, but I, I wouldn't go crazy because again, there's there's sort of a lack of firepower on that Washington side, even though they do want to play fast, someone has to put the ball into the bucket. It's part of the game. Denver, uh, six and a half point underdogs, which leads me to believe that most of those key guys are still out for the Nuggets. Uh, that's that's a lot, by the way. That's a lot to lay. Um, I think Denver could actually keep this within six and a half of the Thunder, who who looked very good in their first ball game. Total of 220. I have no feelings on that side. Memphis at New Orleans. Pelicans by four and a half this is this is do or die for both of these teams. You'd like to look for motivation, but it's on both sides. With that in mind, I might consider an under. That's a big number of 236.5 in a game where there's actually a fair amount of pressure on these two teams. So think about it from that perspective. Philly by 7 over San Antonio. Um, I think I'd look at the Spurs. They're playing better than expected, although you know Philly should outclass them. question is... Will they? You know, how long until the Sixers actually get themselves laser-focused in on this? And then Lakers at Utah. Lakers by 6.5, total of 217. Can the Lakers actually start to drop some shots through? Because they're not making anything, which I think you'd have to lean a little bit towards the under on that front. But um, I don't know that I'd, I have the, the gumption to to go with it. I do think they win the ball game though. Um, Utah did not look very good in their last one. Both of these teams are going to be looking to bounce back a little bit. So I guess when you look at this board... Oh, boy. Denver, maybe? Catching a whole bunch of points is something I'd consider. Blech, man, I think the under Memphis, New Orleans is probably the most interesting thing on the board. And if you want to get in and do all this fun stuff, head on over to mybookie.ag, our partners here on the gaming front at hoop-ball.com. Again, use coupon code HOOPBALL. Remember, over at Manscaped, it's HOOPBALL20. And my bookie, it's just HOOPBALL. By the way, we just got news by the, uh, that Karis LeVert and Joe Harris are both going to sit this one out for Brooklyn. So they've gone into full-on mail-it-in mode at this point. But again, over at MyBookie, use the coupon code HOOPBALL. Get a 100% deposit match when you open your account. Uh, minimum is 25 bucks. That's like nothing. Go open a $25 account. Go open a 50 75 100 500 whatever. They'll match your deposit and you get a $10 MLB futures voucher you can lay down on somebody. Baseball futures action. There's some weird stuff going on in the MLB right now. This is a great year, by the way, to get a free baseball futures wager because you can throw it on somebody that's not expected to win, and it might just pan out. Like, look at the, look at the National League, for instance. Uh, the Rockies are 6-2, and two, technically. Uh they're they're tied in games over 500 with the Dodgers. Um, the Central, the Cubs are seven and two, and no one else is over 500. Same deal in the East. Braves, the Padres are six and four. The Reds are four and five. Like there are weird teams in this mix where you could say, oh, maybe Cincinnati will make the playoffs. Like the, the Padres maybe could make the playoffs because there's it's a 16 team. Uh, wait, am I getting that right? Yeah, expanded playoffs in baseball. Look at the American League, if you want. I know everybody's got a DH right now. The Orioles are 5-3. and three. Do you think there's anybody in the American League that's, that's going to turn it on here partway? 
I get sidetracked. It doesn't matter. The point is you got a $10 voucher. You can throw it on some long shot, and who knows? Maybe you turn that 10 into 80 or 120. Could be fun. Will be fun because it's a free voucher. Coupon code, again, is HOOPBALL with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. Folks, enjoy the hoops. It starts in like five minutes. Crap. I got to get these shows going earlier, don't I? Well, I'm never going to catch up to it. That's just the way it is. We're probably going to miss the first game. Go check out our buddies over at DFS today as well. Uh, Mike and Santino running an, an amazing crack team. Uh, the DFS stuff is fantastic. They get that out the night before also, so you're never at a loss for these morning things. Have a great Monday, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I am Dan Vaspris. Toodaloo. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.